Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, my friends, to your Thursday Rush Hour. James Golden, Bo Snurdly here with you, 800 848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. I'll tell you what's on tap. A little bit later in the show, we will be speaking with an amazing reporter, and you can find her work in various places, including Substack and in the New York Post. Her name is Carrie Sheffield, and she had a column the other day, America's Soft Revolution away from everything that made us great. And among other things, I'd like to speak with her about that. Also, Robert Kennedy Jr., as you probably know, has announced that he will run on the Democrat Party side. Now, any of us that grew up through the horrible fate that overtook the Kennedy family in the 60s. I have to wonder, number one, is this a good idea? Number two, regardless of whether your stance on, on Robert Kennedy Jr. is that he's some kind of kook parading around with the anti-vax, business or not, I think that all of us would like to wish him well in his quest, personally well. I know I do. One of these days, I'd like to speak with him, and we've tried to put those wheels in motion to arrange an interview with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I am a conservative, but I have made no secret about the fact that I loved his dad, RFK, as a young, as a young man in this country. And I still had great admiration for Robert Kennedy Jr., who was, of course, a senator from this state. Not everything that he did, not everything, not by a long shot, but Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was one of the first, well, Robert F. Kennedy, his dad, was one of the first 
politicians that I identified as being a quote-unquote human being when no one else gave a damn. In either party, Robert Kennedy took it upon himself to visit some of the poorest people in America, many of them black, and it was during a time where he had nothing to gain from doing that. In fact, it inspired a lot of hatred for him from people that were opposed to his political advancement. But he did it anyway, and he did it because he cared for what was happening for this country and what had happened. And it was a stark contrast. If you go, if you, those of you that study history, if you go back and you look at those pictures, you look at that film from Robert Kennedy in the in in just some of the most poverty-stricken areas in America that you would ever see, and see him reaching out and touching people that were a universe away in terms of means than him. It was an inspiring thing for many Americans, and I'm still inspired by it all these years later. Have you ever had a friend or a loved one that is a total jerk? And you you can talk about your friend. Because you love your friend. Your friend might be a total jerk. But you, if someone else talks about your friend, have you ever been in that situation? Diego, you've been in that situation? All the time. I can't name a specific time, but yeah, looking back at high school all the time. How about you, Scott? Ever have a friend that's a total jerk? I usually disagree, or I usually agree with the part. If if somebody says something like that, I, you know, would probably agree with them unless I didn't like the person that was Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're your friend, but at the same time, you're not going to let anybody else attack them, right? Depends on if they're really a jerk, you know? Oh, <laughs> if they're really a jerk. <laughs> How about you, Rich? Have you ever had somebody that's that's really close to you and you know they're a jerk? You know that they're a a D, a D-I, a D-I-C. <laughs> but, but don't let, but but that's your friend, and you don't want anybody else to talk about them. Where do I begin? Uh, let's see. <laughs> sure, I know people like that. Okay, I've done that. I've defended uh, people that uh, you know I butt heads butt heads with all the time. All right, happened a lot. I still remember back in college doing that all the time too. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said that New York City was a terrible place. This is a day after she came to protest here. Going on Tucker. She said, New York is disgusting. I compared it to what I call Gotham City. The streets are filthy. They're covered with people um, basically dying on drugs. They can't even stand up. They're falling over. There's so much crime in the city, I can't comprehend how people live there. You know, I've had Marjorie Taylor Greene on the show. There are things that I, Marjorie Taylor Greene was one of the only ones to go visit the J6 people in jail. Marjorie Taylor gets, Marjorie, you didn't have to come to New York. This was a choice of yours. You volunteered to come to New York. 
don't rag our city. We know we have problems here. We know what the Democrats and progressives have done here. But New York is not disgusting in and of itself. Maybe she didn't know, in fairness. Maybe she'd never didn't been, know what. Maybe she'd never been to New York before and she Well was then don't you start it. ragging our city. She's seen ten minutes in New York. How the hell does she know what New York is? New York, first of all, is more than Manhattan. We have five boroughs here. And if she had bothered to go into where people really live in New York, not just Manhattan, you'd see that there are a lot of neighborhoods in New York where they're absolutely wonderful human beings. They're not all strung out on drugs. And yes, we know that crime is a problem. Thank you very much to Mayor Adams and the Democrat progressives that are doing their best to help destroy this city as much as they can. But no matter how much they reach out to destroy New York, there is no place like New York. I mean, really? New York is disgusting? No, New York is not disgusting. Some of what happens in New York is disgusting, including Alvin Bragg. I mean, you know, stay home or go to places that you like to go. But don't come to New York and start ragging New York as a whole. You don't even know what New York as a whole is. You haven't been in Queens. You haven't been to some of the great neighborhoods in Brooklyn or Staten Island or the Bronx. You're like in a little isolated square in midtown Manhattan with a bunch of kooks that show up to protest Trump. I get you not liking that experience, but that is not all of New York. And so don't don't come here from Georgia, from the country in Georgia, and start ragging New York. No. I'm going to have it. Okay. Tennessee, isn't she from Tennessee? She's from Georgia. She's from, I thought she's, she's from Georgia. Down there. Yeah. Yeah, Georgia. Georgia. And she's from some little town in Georgia that's got like 16 people. No, don't let me start doing what she did. (laughs) The town that she lives in in Georgia does not compare in population at all to New York. Let me just put it like that. It's repulsive. It smells bad. I just think it's a terrible place. Nobody told you to come here. What would you have preferred, she said? Just nothing? She came here to protest the unfair treatment of Donald Trump, and she did, and she and that's what she did. Stick to the issues. Don't start ragging all of New York. And make it like some, she's some kind of expert on New York. Because she's not. Now look, come on. I will rag New York. We can rag New York. This is our town. We live, you know. We pay <laughs> but, the taxes. Whoa. Ooh, that just really got me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, that set me off. 
Speaking of New York, Mayor Adams has uh, told his administration that all of their agencies have to cut the budget. You ready how much? This is huge, folks. This is going to stop everything. Boy, oh boy, I don't know how they're going to do it. This is just going to make New York as disgusting as Marjorie Taylor Greene thinks it is. It's going to smell. It's going to be repulsive. Uh, They have to cut their budgets by 4%. The education, though, department only has to cut their budget by 3%. So we'll see. I mean, you look at the budget, 3%'s not even the rounding error. These people are sucking in so much money from taxpayers. There's an editorial today. Number one, if you're looking to talk about Donald Trump and the indictment, of course we can talk about that, but there are some other things I want to focus on today. And I'll tell you what, we'll take a break, and then I'm going to tell you, and then we'll come back and we'll focus on them. Number one, there's an editorial in the Los Angeles Times about undocumented workers and how they should be able to get unemployment benefits when they're laid off. But there is an issue I want to address first. And this issue is in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. Assisted living homes are rejecting Medicaid, and because of that, they're evicting seniors from their assisted living home. I want to spend a few minutes with that. This is Bo Snerdy's Rush Hour here in the greatest city in the world, and it's not in Georgia. It's in the Empire State. W.A.B.C. Talk Radio 77. I'm in love with New York. 10CC takes us in. Coming back. Your calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Don't go away. Don't get me wrong. Is on the air. Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Rush on the Red Apple Podcast Network. On this day in 1968, Simon and Garfunkel went to number one on the U.S. album charts with the soundtrack for the movie The Graduate. Plastics? Plastics? This iconic song, of course. Part of that soundtrack. All right, we have a full deck of calls up. If you're on hold, please stay on hold. People are annoyed with me and want to take me to task for my comments over Marjorie Taylor Greene. Okay, stay there. I'll take your calls. I'm not afraid. Not afraid of you. I'm not afraid. But first, 
Let us bring in an amazing reporter, Carrie Sheffield. You have a column, Carrie. Thank you for joining us. You had a thank column over the past. Yes, America's soft revolution away from everything that made us great. You start off with a quote from Vladimir Lenin. Morality is entirely subordinate to the interest of class war. Everything is moral that is necessary for the annihilation of the old exploiting social order and for uniting the proletariat. Is that what we are experiencing today in America? Short answer, yes. That's the, the argument that I make is that our revolution has been a softer one. Vladimir Lenin's was a violent, murderous one where millions of people were slaughtered through these policies. And it, and it was a violent coup that threw over the monarchy. And, and I make the contrast of what Lenin did versus what the United States did with our founders. We both threw off a monarchy, but what Lenin replaced it with was something so much worse, whereas America replaced it with the idea of God and human rights and human dignity. Did we perfectly implement those rights? No, we didn't. That's why we had a civil war. But but the philosophy of human and like human rights and freedom is fundamentally the American blueprint. And the Lenin blueprint is to destroy Western civilization, destroy the family, destroy uh, everything that made the Judeo-Christian system work, because from his perspective, it needed to be destroyed to destroy the proletariat. And so for this column, it was in the New York Post. uh, I reported about a new survey from the Wall Street Journal and the University of Chicago. They've been tracking people uh, in this poll for the last quarter century on issues like patriotism, having a family, you know, having children, how important is that for you, uh, being involved in your community, being involved in faith and religion. And it is now the lowest point that they've ever tracked in a quarter century. And it's just been deeply nosediving recently. And so I just think that these notions, the most basic things that make America, America what it's always been, faith, family, community, they're all under assault right now. And you have no doubt that we are in the middle of what, or at least maybe not in the middle, in the beginning of the soft revolution. This is what you believe the objective is for those that are that are waging this, what many people call the culture war on, on America. Absolutely. And it fundamentally, Lenin's whole system was, you, you got to create, you know, oppressors and the oppressed. You know, in his case, he called it the proletariat. He really tried to make it on economic grounds and economic oppressors. And here in America, the ideology is the same, but it has different characteristics. It has to do with gender and race. And that's why critical race theory and critical gender theory are so pernicious, because it's the same Lenin playbook, but instead of focus just on the economic classes, it's using these other identities of race and gender as weapons to do the same outcome that Lenin wants. And so that's why it's no surprise that Patrice Colliers, for example, she's one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, she has called herself a trained Marxist. And this is her quote. She said she thinks it's, quote, really cool, unquote, that people think her book is like Mao's red book. And we know who Chairman Mao was. His communist regime resulted in the deaths of tens of millions of people through the CCP. So when you see here in America, 
billions of dollars being destroyed during Black Lives Matter protests and dozens of people being murdered and slaughtered in the riots in the aftermath of George Floyd, that's the same type of energy as the Lenin energy. It's destructive and it's inspired here in America, the critical race theory, it stems from a larger umbrella philosophy of critical theory that was founded in the Frankfurt School in 1929 over in Germany by a bunch of Marxists. And that's, we've imported it over here with American characteristics. And that's what I think is so terrifying and why it's so important, why people like you and anybody listening to sound the alarm about critical race theory. It's, it's not some nice little kumbaya diversity thing. It is Marxist in nature. You say people like us, like we all know Miles Little Red Book. I have news for you. A lot of people don't know what you're talking about when you say Miles Little Red Book. They don't know the history of the Chinese, quote-unquote, revolution. They don't understand the great leap forward. They don't, they don't know anything about these things. I talked to some people the other day, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, to, to, to in any way uh, uh, talk badly about them, but look, there are young people that don't know a thing about World War II. They don't know about the, how, how important the Battle of the Bulge was. They don't know how important the D-Day was and what could have happened and how easily that war could have swung the other way and what that would have meant to humanity. They don't know what the Allied versus Axis power fight was all about. They certainly don't understand the Cold War because it isn't taught. So, so for a lot of people, they don't have the background that you and I have. They don't understand these concepts. There are people who think that communism, they don't understand the history of, of, of communism and what it has done to people. They don't know the tens of millions of deaths that happened under Stalin, under Mao, that went further in Southeast Asia with the killing fields. All of that stuff is, is it's not being taught to them. No, you're right. And, and I will say there's a wonderful organization called Victims of Communism. Their website is victimsofcommunism.org. They just opened a museum last year here in Washington, D.C., a couple blocks from the White House. They do host a lot of student groups, uh, and they work with governors, Governor DeSantis, and uh, I, I believe here in Virginia, where I live, um, Governor Yunkin and several other governors, they've created the Victims of Communism Day where the students in the state are going to be taught these things because you're, you're completely right. There is a huge gap in the understanding and the curriculum. And unfortunately, and, and thank God for people like DeSantis and what he's doing in Florida because he wants to stop the creep of critical race theory because the exact opposite is happening. Instead of being taught everything that you just laid out, the history and the hundreds of millions of people murdered under socialist and communist regimes, that is being replaced by these critical race theory principles. And instead of teaching history, they want to teach people to hate each other and to divide the students to divide each other by privilege um, and to weaponize race and gender. And it's, it's deeply problematic. And so I think, you know, mandating civics education, that's something that DeSantis has done as well. I think it's very important. I think that governors across the country should model that. I think also another common lie that I hear or just misunderstanding especially young people, they say, well, the communism you're talking about is not the communism we want. Um, we're talking more about the Nordic countries, you know, Sweden and Denmark and all those places where that's, that's the good socialism. And my answer to them is, 
educate yourself because they those countries in many respects actually have more free markets than in America. A lot of times those countries, you know, Switzerland and Sweden, they actually have less regulation, lower taxes in some respects, um, and also stronger property rights. And the Heritage Foundation, uh, which is a great research group here in D.C., they come out, they actually have refuted this notion. And they have an index, it's the Economic Freedom Index for the world. And the United States is actually quite a bit lower in the ranking in economic freedom than a lot of those supposed socialist countries. So I would say to my young friends, educate yourself on exactly how those those countries are run. And let me echo that thought. We have Dr. Kevin Roberts here with us on a regular recurring basis from Heritage. And we, we talk about the issues of the day with him. And Heritage is not just anymore the Ivy League tower up in the sky issuing white papers. They are trying to get involved in the trenches, because that's where the soft revolution is occurring. And Carrie, you've done a great job in this article. Can people find it at Substack, where you're, where you have, uh, you have uh, subscriptions available, right? People can subscribe to your writings and to your thoughts at Substack, correct? Absolutely. Thank you, Bo, for mentioning that. Yes, so it's just my name, CarrieSheffield.Substack.com, and I include it in my most recent post the link to this article that I wrote in the New York Post. And yeah, we'd love to connect with folks on there. So give it one more time for people. So a lot of people are not familiar or just becoming familiar with Substack. How can they find you and how can they, this is an amazing piece, folks. It is well worth reading. Where can they find you again, Carrie? Absolutely. So it's Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, Sheffield, S-H-E-F-F-I-E-L-D, dot Substack, dot com. Or you can just Google Carrie Sheffield Substack, and Substack is a great platform for independent writers to connect directly with audiences and supporters. Thank you so much, and I hope this is the first appearance of many with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bo. I'd love that. God bless. God bless you too, my dear. James Golden, a.k.a. Snyder, we're coming back. I'm going to get to your calls right away, but before we leave today, I want to take some time, and I do want to talk about this business of elder Americans being thrown out of their assisted living facilities because these assisted living facilities are saying, no, we don't want your Medicaid, so get out. This is how seniors in America are being treated. I want to talk about that for a moment, but we've got people on hold, and I want to acknowledge you. I don't want to leave you till the last minute. So we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we can go directly to phones, and then later on we're going to talk about this uh, assisted this article that's in the uh, Amazon Prime Washington Post. Assisted living homes are rejecting Medicaid and evicting seniors. Coming right back on WABC. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, East Coast girls are hip, I really dig those styles they wear. And the Southern girls with the way they talk, they knock me out when I'm down there. The 
1965. The Beach Boys went into the United Western Recorders recording studio complex in Hollywood. This song is one of those that came out. On this day in 1965, Brian Wilson, Mike Love, started work on this song, California Girls. Let's head back, as promised, to the telephones. Guy in Florida, you are up first. How are you, Guy? I'm doing great, James. Listening to your show is always, uh, well, I won't know. I, I really can't say always, but it's quite informative, and I appreciate it. But I, I don't like the idea that you're jumping all over uh, Miss Green when mm-hmm. you really didn't mm-hmm. hear the facts of what actually she said about New York. Uh, I saw her on um, on Fox, on uh, Tucker, and on Waters' uh, show. And my thinking is, you know what? She was treated like a dirtbag in New York, so that's yep. what she was exposed to. I'm not, no, I'm not denying that she was treated badly. She ran up against people that were protesting against her, right? There were people that were protesting against her. I get that. Okay, and if you want to direct your remarks, and this is all due respect to you, a guy, I love you, but if you want to direct your remark to, toward those liberals that are protesting against you, hey, I don't have a problem with that. I don't, I don't necessarily like the way that they treated her either. I don't like the way they treated her. I don't. But I don't like her ragging on New York either. Like New York is all disgusting. We are all one thing. We're all dis- New Yorkers are all disgusting. No, you're a guest in New York. You chose to come here. Now you had a bad experience with some people. Then you talk about those people. But you don't rag the entire city of New York. New York is a smelly, rotten. Everybody's on drugs. Everybody's not on drugs in New York. And we can all point to the problems in New York, and I'm not in denial about that either. I talk about them every day. We don't like what is happening inside this city. But the people of New York are good people. They are not disgusting. And New York is not disgusting. Queens is not disgusting. The Bronx is not disgusting. Well, not most parts. Uh, 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 Staten Island, not disgusting. Okay, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, even not disgusting. Okay, that's what I'm talking about, guy. You get the last word. Go ahead. So I'm from Brooklyn, lived there for 55 years. I am glad to be out of there because to me, it it was becoming so disgusting that I couldn't take it anymore. And so I left there happily. Okay, so do you hate New York now? Well, no, it's not a question of hating. I still have family there, and I and I. And are your family members disgusting? Are your family members disgusting? That's not what I'm saying. Don't put words in my mouth. I'm I'm asking you a question. I'm asking you a question. Are your family members disgusting? Some of them are. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guy, you shut the host up. Guy, I love you. We have a difference of opinion on this one. But it's like, I, I, but I appreciate what you're saying, okay? I really do. Guy, thank you. Let's go to Neil in Brooklyn, in New York. Thanks for the call, Guy. Living in Florida, ex-Brooklynite. How are you, Neil? 
I'm good, uh, Mr. Snurdly. He had me on the floor, that guy. I love him. Uh, I do understand your state of, let's say, vexation about her comments. And to some extent, I feel it too. I think especially because we know it's partially true. I mean, are we pretending that the, you know, the Corinthian columns are not coming down around our ankles? But what I want to say is... It seems to be okay when we say it, when we call out Chirac and San Francisco and Baltimore and Philadelphia, right, and Detroit. I don't think we should get too hypocritical. It's just that, you know, New York is supposed to be the jewel in the crown of American metropolises. And it really is supposed to be everyone's city, not just the people that live here, but all Americans and including all global citizens, if you listen to the uh, the demagoguery that comes out of the left, we're the big Moby Dick, right? And we harpoon this city ourselves. And for other people to recognize that from afar, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, we okay. sometimes we need to look in the mirror. And I do. Who do I talk about New York all this time and what is happening to this city? And many of people are disgusted what is with what is happening in this city. Because we knew New York when New York wasn't doing this, but we've also seen the waves. Remember what happened in New York during the crack epidemic? Remember how bad it got? But that doesn't mean that New York as a whole is disgusting. And no, we are not San Francisco. No, we are not L.A. I mean, not yet. But, (laughs) you know, okay, okay, I'll take the point. I'll take the point. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate your call. Steve in Nassau County, you're up next. Yes, Bo, how are you? I, I, I got to tell you, I love listening to you. I'm a big fan of yours, but if I'm going to disagree, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not a fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I happen to consider myself more of a liberal, but she was telling the truth, and Uh-oh. the truth hurts. I'm 75 years old, and I'm going to tell you, I lived in New York all my life. I'm planning on getting out as soon as I can. I can't wait. It's not safe. It's filthy. And between you and I, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I'm so mad at even some of the politicians now. The streets are not what smells so bad in New York. What really smells bad in New York are the politicians because they're not permitting the city to be what it was. I couldn't agree with that last sentence more, Steve. Thank you. I do appreciate your call. One more, and then we got to take a break, and then we're coming back more calls. But I also want to talk about this article in the Washington Post. Uh, let's go to Jimmy in Staten Island. Jimmy, you're up next. Hello, Bo. Nice to hear your voice, and I love your screen callers. Listen, Bo, the other guy that lives in Florida, I think he's in the sun a little too long. His brain is baking. And let me tell you something. I lived in New York all my life, and I've seen the ups and downs, the ins and outs, the lefts and rights. They all stink, every politician, but this cross between a mule and a human, this Marjorie Taylor Greene, she got to shut her mouth because you're right. That's not nice. I'm not disgusting. I'm not disgusting. You can eat off my floors. Yes, but let's not call her horrible names. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene has said some amazing things that no one else will say, and I give her credit for that. She's one of the only ones that actually got inside the J6 jail that experienced down there to see what the people that were imprisoned were going through. 
She's a fighter on some things. I just didn't appreciate her remarks about New York and because she doesn't have the full context of New York. That was my point. Well, I, I don't want to call you. I don't want to call her names. Apologize you know? for that. Okay. I apologize for that. But all right. don't say we're all disgusting. That's a broad stroke across all the five boroughs. Thank you. I agree with that. Thank you, Jimmy. WABC Talk Radio 77 coming back. It's Bo Snurley's Rush Hour here in New York. And this is WABC. We are the crown jewel of American radio. Steve Perry. Oh, uh, yeah. This is his first solo album after he left Journey. WABC Talk Radio 77 coming back. More of your calls. Well, I got to talk about this article, and we're going to get to some calls, too. Don't go away. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. WABC. Yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade sky. 1967. The Beatles. This was after they had discovered drugs, correct? Master tape. They were in the studio doing this. And this song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, was one of those on the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album. Also, She's Leaving Home was on that album. Now, you know, this song got rejected by a lot of radio programmers back then. They wouldn't play it. You know why? Why? Diego, come on, tell me why. It gets trippy. Yes, but there was a specific reason they said no to this song. Well, that I don't know. Rich probably knows. Lucy in the Sky Okay, Rich, Rich, why you know? did the Beatles get such heat for this song? In fact, it got banned on some radio station. Yeah, because it was a reference to LSD. Boom! Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds! Yeah, yeah. LSD, baby! Well, that's what they said anyway. Okay, really quick, we have a lot of calls here. I want to get to them. I'm debating whether I should just do this article tomorrow. Because this is deep. Let me just give you a hint of where I'm going with this, and I want to talk about it further in the week. Shirley Holtz, 91. Listen to this, please, folks. Please listen to this. Shirley Holtz, 91 years old, used a walker to get around. She had dementia. She was enrolled in hospice care. Despite her age, despite her infirmity, Shirley Holtz was evicted from the assisted living facility she called home for four years because she relied on government health insurance for low-income seniors. These people 
through a 91-year-old woman in hospice with dementia on the streets. She was one of 15 residents told to vacate Emerald Bay Retirement Community near Green Bay, Wisconsin. Got. Jeez. When the yeah, Scott's Wait, one of these cheeseheads. I was only half listening to you until you said that. They threw Thank her on you the, for that. They threw her on the streets of Green Bay? They threw her out because they relied on Medicare. 91 years old with dementia, had been living at this assisted living facility for four years, and they threw her out because they stopped accepting government insurance. Medicare, and that so they got rid of her, and she was only one of fifteen. This is happening all over the country. Right now, it's a good illustration, say the authors of this piece, of how Medicaid, assisted living public policy, is still in its wild west phase. Providers doing what they choose, no matter whether it's unfair to consumers or not. And folks, I want to talk a lot more about this tomorrow because how we treat our elderly and how we treat our babies in this country and our kids is a sign of where we are as a people. And by any means, I don't care. There is no defense for this. There is no defense. There is no moral defense for treating human beings like this. We are the wealthiest country in the world. And even if we weren't, even if we were the poorest nation in the world, there is no defense for treating elderly people like this. None. These people should be run out of business and ashamed of themselves. How could they even think to do this to another human being? But they do because the dollar is their God. And they've lost all vestiges of morality and compassion for their fellow human beings. This is happening on a widespread basis in this country. And it is wrong. It is morally wrong. And I don't care. You can talk to me about policy all day and all night long. You can argue socialist health care versus other health care. You can do all those arguments you want to. There is no defense for this. I want to get back to the telephones. Julie in Staten Island. You're up. Please get right to your point. I'm going to try to squeeze a few calls in here, Julie. Hi, thank James, you and welcome. James, James, you're the you're the Barry White of seventy seven WABC. Thank I you. love your voice. It really relaxes me. Listen, I, I'm sorry about this though. I don't I want to disagree about uh Marty okay. Taylor Green mm-hmm. only because she had the guts and the bravery after Mayor Adams. I don't know if you heard him say. I ragged on him for picking on her. I I talked about him and how unfair that was. Yeah, he said something, a lot of terrible things that she was uh, hate speech and all that stuff. And I think she got riled up. But the crowd around her in Manhattan were really kind of really bad to her. They were behaving ugly toward her. Yes. I know. I, I think that's why she said what she said. So I, I, want, I wanted to defend her because really, where's the Republicans coming in to support Trump? You know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah, I, you know, so great point, Julie. Julie, we got to run. Thank you. Tricia, real quick in Trumbull, Connecticut. 
Thank you, James, for having uh, Glenn Beck on yesterday. He is so right about you know them by their fruits, as in the scriptures, and the fruits of the leftist uh, governors and mayors are destruction. And I've seen too many cities I've lived in, beautiful cities like San Francisco and Portland, Oregon, be destroyed. Thank you, uh, Tricia. We're going to have to leave it there. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, my friends, every single one of you and your families. I love you, and I'm in such gratitude to be here every day. God willing, I'll be here tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Thank you for listening, as always. And we'll see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful day. You too, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.